Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Here on Stolen Lives, we discuss brutal and heartbreaking crimes against children. Themes may include child murder, torture and sexual, domestic and child abuse. I do try my best to remain respectful for the babies in these stories and leave out unnecessary details that honestly, none of us need to know to understand the frustration of why and how this ever happened. However, if you find any of these themes triggering, this podcast may not be for you. Listener discretion is advised. This week's episode is a listener suggestion. Thank you to Erin for bringing Noah's story to my attention. It is listeners like you that keep the podcast going. And I am forever appreciative of all your kind words and support, so I can continue sharing these sweet baby stories with you, to keep their memories alive, and to bring awareness of what could be done, should be done, so another child doesn't lose their life like little Noah. June 2019, Hampton, Virginia. Julia Tomlin reported her two-year-old son missing. Tomlin said when she woke that morning, he was gone from the family's trailer. Investigators launched a massive search that spanned 10 days and involved several law enforcement agencies. As the days passed, Tomlin's story began to unravel and she was charged with murder after admitting that Noah was dead. His body disposed of like trash. Days later, Noah's remains were found in the city's landfill. His tiny body showed sustained and severe abuse. This is Noah's story. A two-year-old has now been missing for more than 24 hours. Hampton police organized search parties in different neighborhoods looking for Noah Tomlin. Police said every resource available is being used to find the toddler, and they've contacted the FBI for help. Police say the toddler was last seen around 1 a.m. Monday when his mother put him down to sleep. Noah was last seen wearing a white and green pajama shirt with a diaper. Noah Tomlin was born in 2017 to parents 32-year-old Julia Tomlin and 35-year-old Justin Jones in Hampton, Virginia. Except Jones didn't know he was Noah's father. He moved to California soon after Noah was conceived and Tomlin never told him. Jones would only find out he was the little boy's father when he returned to Hampton only days before Noah's death. And this would only be confirmed via DNA paternity test after Noah was deceased. It seems Tomlin may have told a couple of men they could be Noah's father, but we will get to that. But whether Jones returning to the area and Noah's death were connected, there is no evidence and police have never implicated Justin Jones in Noah's murder. It doesn't even appear he ever met the little boy. He and Tomlin separating due to her increasing drug use. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Noah's parents are a piece of work. By the time Noah was born, both his parents had racked up quite a criminal history between them, including child abuse charges from April 2010. This was when Tomlin and Jones left their one-year-old daughter sitting on the kitchen stove while they were tending to another child, according to them anyway. But the baby was sitting on the stove and fell backwards onto one of the burners that had been left on and was scorching hot, leading to severe burns on her back, shoulders and the back of her arms. It wouldn't be until four days later that this poor little girl would be finally treated for her injuries, which had turned into painful blisters at this point. And this would only be because CPS and police received an anonymous report of possible child abuse and conducted a welfare check on the family. The police report would state the apartment was a mess of clothes, toys and garbage littering the bedrooms and hallways. For this incident, Tomlin would lose custody of her five children, and receive a five-year sentence for child abuse and neglect. 
However, she would only serve a total of five months before being released. It's not clear what sentence Justin Jones received. Justin Jones's criminal history is even more disgusting. He was charged with sexual battery of a 13-year-old girl in 2008. And upon his release, he had to register as a non-violent sex offender. Which blows my mind that Tomlin would have had to have known this and yet not only allowed him around her children, but conceived multiple children with him. According to court records, Tomlin also had a range of mental health conditions, being previously diagnosed with bipolar disorder, ADHD and PTSD. Because of these mental health conditions, she was unable to hold employment and was receiving disability payments of around $771 a month. Tomlin only has a ninth grade education, which would also affect her ability to find a job, especially a job to support all her children and her drug habit. Yep, Tomlin's still a parenting skills continue. Tomlin had a heroin addiction and she used regularly, as well as alcohol dependency. I imagine that combination had more to do with the injuries to the one-year-old on the stove than lovingly tending to another child, in my opinion. Tomlin would also be charged in 2010 with a drunken disorderly and an assault and battery on a family member after an argument with a different baby daddy turned physical. The couple had just broken up and in the argument, Tomlin scratched this man on his arms and face. However, these charges would be dropped with no conviction recorded. And this brings us to Noah's birth. At some point, Noah would be removed from Tomlin's custody and placed into both foster and respite care. It is not on public record why Noah was removed from his mother, but I'm hesitant to guess it has something to do with his neglect and his mother's drug and alcohol abuse. During this time, Tomlin did have supervised visits with Noah and his immediate older brother for an hour each week at the Pembroke Avenue Social Services office. And then for more unclear reasons, Noah was returned to his mother's care at some point. How old Noah was when Tomlin regained custody of him has not been released. However, an educated guess on my part would be around eight months before he disappeared. And my reasons for this time frame will become evident later. What is clear that in the six months before Noah's disappearance, 911 would be called to Tomlin's trailer several times for domestic disturbances and suspected child abuse and neglect. And two days before Noah went missing, one such police visit involved this little boy. Police reports are closed in regards to these incidents, so no further details are available on what happened here, unfortunately. But it does seem as if the situation was escalating here, and clear there were some safeguarding concerns for Noah and the other children in the household. June 2019, when our story takes place. Noah was living in Buckrow, Virginia, with his mother, Julia Tomlin, and two of his nine siblings. That's right, Tomlin had ten children by this stage, but only three were in her care. A three-year-old boy, two-year-old Noah, and a five-month-old baby girl. The remaining seven children were in state care, some with extended family members or with their fathers. But Tomlin and the three children lived in a small trailer at the Bayside Mobile Home Village on the 100 block of Atlantic Avenue. June 24, 2019, 11.35am. Tomlin called 911 to report her son missing. She would tell the dispatcher she put Noah and his two siblings to bed around one that morning, that the children had been up late eating chocolate and didn't settle until then. Noah was dressed in a green and white pyjama shirt and a diaper, but when she went to wake the toddler at 11, 11.15, Noah's bed was empty and his blanket was on the floor. The two-year-old had vanished. Obviously, given his very young age, the Hampton Police Department took this report seriously and started their search for Noah immediately, especially considering Noah was thought to be autistic, and despite being two years old, he wasn't walking properly yet, that he could only take a few steps before falling down, that he would get up and take a few more steps and fall down again. The FBI would also quickly become involved. I know that Lane from Suffer the Little Children is with me on this, but... The Hampton Police investigation into Noah's disappearance here, second to none. They covered all their bases and didn't waste any time. If we only saw this every week, I think a lot more stories we cover here on the podcast, maybe they wouldn't end the way they do. The mobile home where Noah lived with his mother would be wrapped in crime scene tape, with two forensic units on hand to search the area. 
I really believe the Hampton Police knew there was something more that went on in the home than Tomlin was letting on. Police would also release Noah's photo and description in the hope they would get some tips from those who last saw the toddler. And the photo they released, it shocked everyone. It increased the concerns for Noah's safety. The most recent photo of this sweet little boy was from eight months earlier. Now I know how it is. With your first child, you take a million photos a day and it becomes less and less with the more children you have. But come on, eight months? I don't care if you have two children or 22 children. You do not go eight months without taking a single photo. But this is why I believe Tomlin only got Noah back around this time. Noah looks well cared for and not injured in any way. It makes sense that Tomlin made an effort to be this great mother in the early days of regaining custody. But then the reality set in of having two toddlers plus a baby on the way. And that would have been the beginning of the end for Noah. And why there is no more photos after this Halloween night. This photo though. Noah immediately grips your heart. He is sitting in a baby car seat and it appears to be Halloween. Noah is dressed in a Superman costume with what appears to be chocolate all over his mouth. His big blue eyes, that's what gets me. His little hand is holding a green glow stick, but given it had been eight months since Noah's last photo, that's a massive time span at this age and Noah may have looked extremely different at the time he went missing. Children change daily at that age. And the fact that Tomlin had not bothered to document any of these important milestones, it was a red flag and everyone knew it. As the weekend progressed, police continued with their search, by ground, air and water. But police were feeling uneasy as there was no evidence Noah left the home on his own or had been abducted. Still, police were holding out hope they could bring the baby home safely. Said Hampton Police Chief Terry Suit, quote, We're turning over every stone. We're doing everything we can to bring this baby home safely. Unquote. But while the police focused on their search for baby Noah, they had a parallel investigation, a criminal investigation. They knew Tomlin knew more about what happened, and they would question her extensively. And there was a heavy police presence at the nearby Bethel landfill, with the city spokesperson Robin McCormack announcing that the trash collection in the area were to be suspended. That Saturday night, a Bring Noah Home candlelight vigil would be held near the James T. Wilson fishing pier. This was a sea of green and white, just like the pyjamas Noah was wearing when he was last seen. Noah's foster mother, Barbie, would speak at the vigil, because his own mother couldn't be bothered showing up, apparently. But his foster mother was in a wheelchair and on oxygen, and she was still there for Noah. What she says is heartbreaking. It is very clear that Noah had an effect on her, and she had a lot of love for this sweet little boy. For the first time, the woman who was Noah's foster mom at one point spoke out, emotional, and sharing what Noah meant to her. Bless his little heart and blue eyes. You couldn't tell him no. Although I call him no-no. Because that's all he said was no-no. But he sat on the couch with me and held my hand. And he just grabbed my hand. Like, as if to say, I know I'm safe. Little Noah brought more than 100 people together. His disappearance is difficult for the community to grapple with. It's been awful, y'all. Yeah. I just now came out of the house yesterday. Because I missed that baby. Remember that Noah means comfort. That's what those who came out hope to find. Comfort in each other and hope for little Noah Tomlin. The final speaker that night was Noah's eldest sister. She only got to meet him two weeks before he went missing. This brave girl said that even though she'd only just met him, he was the sweetest baby. Between sobs, she spoke directly to Noah, quote, I'm sorry, Noah, wherever you are, I wish I could have met you sooner, Unquote. It wouldn't be until June 26 that Tomlin would make a statement to the media, and this wasn't even in person, pleading for her son's safe return, or even over the phone, tearfully telling listeners how much he missed her Noah. No. She sent off a text message to 13 News Now, incredibly detached in my opinion, but she told the reporter over text, quote, I'm working real hard with law enforcement to help find my baby. I can't have my location known or the whereabouts of my other children for their safety. Noah belongs home. His family loves and misses him, unquote. But someone did speak to the media on behalf of this missing little boy, Yolanda Earl, who was Noah's respite carer as part of the Becoming Families organisation. When Noah was in foster care, he was also given respite care, 
short-term relief care for foster families. They may use this every weekend or once a month, or for certain circumstances where it isn't suitable to have a child, maybe like travelling for a funeral or a wedding. And Yolanda was that for Noah. Noah is a very happy, mobile young man. When I first saw it on the news, like my whole body started shaking because I knew who he was. He, he broke my TV, and that's how I remember him. Each situation is different, and each case is different, and we gotta, we gotta do something better. All of us, bring Noah home. He has a family that loves him, not just his biological family, but his foster families, his respite providers, people that have been in his life for the last two years. Now, as I said, police had two investigations active parallel, the missing person search and a criminal investigation. So by June 28, 2019, it was clear that Noah could no longer be alive. Noah couldn't have walked away on his own, and if Noah had been abducted, there would have been some sort of evidence this is what happened and it just wasn't there. And given Tomlin's history, not only with Noah but with all her children, all theories of what happened to Noah stopped with his mother. June 28, 2019, the Hampton Police Department held a press conference to announce there had been an arrest in the disappearance of Noah Tomlin. His mother, Julia Tomlin, had been charged with three counts of felony child neglect. Not only this, but sadly, Police Chief Terry Suit sadly declared they believed Noah to be dead, and this was now a recovery mission to uncover his remains. Tonight, our hearts and prayers continue to go out to the loved ones uh, and, uh, of Noah Tomlin and for Noah Tomlin. What you have not witnessed is the intensive investigation going on behind the scenes. This continues to be a, a two-pronged process on both the search and investigative efforts, but tonight we are announcing the, an arrest related to the disappearance of Noah Tomlin. We are arresting Julia Lena Tomlin, 34-year-old Hampton woman, the mother of Noah, in connection with his disappearance. Charges are pending. Unfortunately, to date, Noah has not been found. Based on the highly coordinated investigation, we, continue, we believe him to be deceased. This leaves us a little bit speechless, but the search for Noah continues. We'll never give up hope. The Hampton Police Division, along with the Hampton Fire Department and our agency partners, are intensifying our search efforts to find Noah with a more specific focus starting now. As the investigation is ongoing and in a very critical stage at this moment, there's very little information that we can share in addition to what I'm providing. We ask that everyone keep Noah and those that love him in your hearts and your thoughts as our officers and agents continue their tireless efforts to find them. I also ask that you consider the efforts that these officers and agents and firefighters have been through this week. It's been intense heat. It's been long hours and every single one of them have been dedicated to this mission. I can tell you that I've been in this business 45 years and I could not be prouder to be associated with the men and women who carry a badge, whether to firefighter, police officer, or federal agent. They have done a remarkable job and there's still a lot to do. I can tell you that investigation has led us to that uh, conclusion. I cannot go into investigative details at this point. You know, I've been tracking social media, and part of the investigation we're tracking social media, and there's so many people that are hurt by this. You know, when you look at Noah, when you look at the victims, any youth victim, and uh, we've seen this before, uh, our hearts go out. Everybody bleeds. I mean, it's like there are people out there in the community who would be willing to take care of a child uh, and make sure something like this doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, it affects the police officers and the first responders as well. It's the emotion in their face through all the dirt, the filth, the tiredness, you know, from searching landfills and all the other stuff. Uh, the investigations that go on 24 hours a day, the fatigue that can set in, but nobody wants to drop it. They just want to continue to go. They want to push it. They want to get to the conclusion. They want to find Noah. And, you know, we all pray that we still find him safe but that's just not the way it's pointing at this point. Her other children are being taken care of. Uh, we have uh, Child Protective Services involved, 
and uh, we're making sure that they are safe. Some are with family members and have been for some time. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, that's, that is one of our number one priorities, make sure they're okay. We'll have, we'll have more information for you tomorrow. I can tell you that we're moving into a 24-hour oper a day operation phase because it is going to focus, and that focus will begin in the morning. June 3rd, 2019. The Hampton Police Department would again front the media with an announcement that no one wanted to hear. That little two-year-old Noah Tomlin's remains had been recovered. That after 10,000 man-hours with crews sifting through two million pounds of garbage by hand, the body of a little boy had been found at the Hampton steam plant that morning. It would take another 10 days to formally confirm through DNA the remains were in fact Noah, even though police would later say they knew the moment he was found. On uh, Monday, June 24th, as you know, uh, Noah Tomlin was reported missing. That report began an intensive uh, two-level operation, which included a search and investigative phase. Information gained through the investigation helped focus the search efforts. Conservatively, we've spent over 10,000 man-hours on this, this process. We have been through 1,000 tons, and let me put that in perspective, that's 2 million pounds of garbage and search that by hand. The priority all along has been to find NOAA. It's with very mixed emotions that we report today that goal has been accomplished. At 8.50 a.m. this morning, a search team located the remains of a child we believe to be Noah Tomlin. Investigators, forensic technicians, and the medical examiner's office are currently processing the scene for formal confirmation and identification. The investigation is also being coordinated uh, through the Commonwealth's Attorney's Office, but there's still much to be done. The case will begin to transition to the Commonwealth's attorney, Anton Bell, and the courts. Hampton Police Division will continue to support. Make no mistake, this has taken a toll on our community and our first responders. It will take time for all involved to recover and to heal. I want to thank the men and women of the Hampton Police Division and Fire Department. Those who investigated and searched for thousands of hours in the worst conditions imaginable. I have witnessed their blood, their sweat, and yes, even their tears this past week and particularly today. Their professional dedication and more importantly, their caring has simply been amazing and every citizen should be proud of what they have accomplished and what they go through. I know I certainly am. If this tragedy, tragedy has taught us anything, it has taught us that we are united as a community in the fight against injustice. Noah is the epitome of an innocent victim. He, like all innocent victims, deserved better. The innocent deserve to have and have our promise that we will do everything in our power to prevent something like this from happening again. They also have our promise that we will hold those accountable who do harm to the innocent. To all of those who care for Noah, our hearts are with you and our prayers are with you. Noah's now in a better place. The remains were, they were not incinerated. I mean, this is a strange question, but they were not incinerated. Right? No, they were not. The, the scene is still being processed. Uh, once the search teams uh, located Noah, everything was frozen and it was uh, now treated as a, a crime scene and has to go through the formal process. You're dealing with conditions that are high humidity, high temperature. Uh, in this case, at the steam plant, they're in a confined space. We're dealing with uh, CO2 levels. We're dealing with methane gas. We're having to monitor those constantly and shut down operations as those uh, uh, rise too high, so we're constantly monitoring that. You're dealing with the emotional part of this. I mean, this affects people. This affects our officers. And you know, when you get into that and you smell the odors and, and you're in the midst of everything, and then you realize what you're there for, and you're going through literally millions of pounds of garbage, it takes tolls. You know, we've got officers that got half his picture on their, uh, on the, the, their card, the, uh, on the dash of their car. We have officers that have them on, their, them on our clipboard. You see our picture here that has been with the investigators throughout the whole investigation. You know, at the end of the day, we care. And we want the community to know that. 
and it really takes a toll. Uh, to that end, we have uh, critical incident stress management counselors uh, working with our teams that have been out there um, and working with those involved in the case. And there are officers who are shedding tears. You know, I was holding one of our employees in my arms this morning that was, that was crying. They relate to other cases in their career. They relate to, relate to other experiences. They have children themselves. Uh, and the community is affected by this. And, you know, we all have to come together and heal. Most importantly, we need to address those who do harm to the innocent. But this is about Noah, and it's about closure. It's about making sure that, you know, you know his life was respected and that uh, we can bring closure not only for him and his family, but for the community. The medical examiner only initially was able to examine individual parts of Noah's body due to the advanced state of decomposition in which Noah was found, and would call upon a forensic anthropologist to assist with the investigation, because all the medical examiner had was a, quote, fully recognisable left leg and liver when first examining the toddler, unquote. In what would have been a traumatic experience for both the medical examiner and the anthropologist, they were able to work together to reconstruct Noah's skeleton. And in doing so, the full horror of what Noah went through was evident. Noah's cause of death was determined to be due to blunt force injury to his head, an injury so brutal that whatever was used against this defenceless little boy caused a hole in his skull. The injury so brutal it was consistent with the force of someone being dropped from a multi-storey building. Noah had a number of historical injuries at different stages of healing, injuries that were deemed to be significant and severe including a fractured jawbone, a fractured ribcage, fractured hip, hairline fractures to the tibia and radius, and signs of shaken baby syndrome. These injuries affected Noah's body to do what is the most natural thing for him to do, and that's eat and grow. Noah was extremely malnourished, and he would have stopped eating because the pain would have been too severe for him to be able to eat. So his tiny body couldn't grow, and I think that would have been a major factor here on his ability to walk. I'm not saying he wasn't autistic, although I haven't seen any official medical confirmation that he was on the spectrum. Maybe it was a combination of both. All I know is, I heard his foster mother state he was walking, and then he goes back to his mother and suddenly, he could only take a couple of steps before falling over. The medical examiner also found evidence that Noah had battered child syndrome. And battered child syndrome is defined by the National Institute of Health as a collection of injuries sustained by a child as a result of repeated mistreatment or beating. Said prosecutor Anton Bell, quote, This child was beaten profusely. This child's body couldn't take it anymore. Death was a welcome friend to Noah because his body could not take it anymore. The abuse was just so profound. Unquote. Sometime in the latter part of September of this uh, 2019, my office received a copy of the autopsy and the anthropology report concerning Noah Tomlin. In that report, we were advised of the nature and characteristics of his death. And as such, we are updating the public today as to the cause of death, as well as any updates to the case. According to the autopsy report, the cause of death of Noah Tomlin is blunt force trauma as well as batter child syndrome. In reading the autopsy report specifically I want to quote certain areas so that the public has a clear understanding as to the nature of the severity of the injuries that were suffered by Noah Tomlin. When the body was received by the medical examiner. It was in a state of advanced decomposition. And as a result of that, an anthropologist was brought on board to uh, help with the conducting of the medical autopsy. The liver was the only thing that was recognizable. In addition to that, the left leg was recognizable. There were severe uh, bruises to that left leg, which were indications of some form of abuse. When the forensic anthropology analysis was conducted, 
the following conclusions were made that there were severe fractures uh, to the skull. There was flat, uh, excuse me, fatal blunt trauma without any indication of healing. Now, I want to be very clear the level or severity of the blunt force trauma to the skull was so severe. Uh, in speaking to Dr. Gunther about the severity, she stated that the type of injury that this child suffered was the same as if a child that had fallen several stories from a building. So this injury was not only severe, but um, just horrific, to say the very least. In addition to that, there were several chronic battering injuries that were discovered. Uh, to quote the medical examiner, there was also evidence of chronic battering with extensive healing, uh, jaw fractures, and three healing posterior rib fractures. So there were injuries to the jaw that had began to heal. There were injuries to the ribs that had begun to heal as well. Um, none of those things were the sole cause of death. However, they were contributing factors in the death of Noah Tomlin. Uh, to say the least, the nature of the abuse um, was of such a nature that clusters of Harris lines in each distal tibia and radius were discovered. Now, in plain language or layman terms, these are the type of injuries that you will find that will literally stop the growth of bones due to either some severe uh, disease such as cancer or um, some type of abuse or even severe malnutrition. So his abuse was of such a nature that um, literally his bones stopped growing and there were evidence of that. So as a result of her findings, her cause of death in her report is blunt head trauma in addition to battered child syndrome. As a result of the findings of the medical examiners, I have authorized today Hampton Police Department to secure a warrant for murder of Noah Tomlin against Julia Tomlin. In addition, I have authorized the Hampton Police Department to secure a warrant for the unlawful disposal of a deceased person. There were um, injuries that were healing, and so we know that some of those injuries could be from days to actual weeks. But there are indications that they were uh, not necessarily fresh. The injury that caused the death were two fractures to the skull. Those injuries had not healed at all. And as a result, we know that they were absolutely the cause of death. Now, to be a little bit more specific, uh, because I had a very detailed conversation with the medical examiner, and I asked her, I said, could these injuries be caused by, let's say, a child who hit their head on a table or a child who had fallen, um, like walking and fell or even fell down some stairs? She said, no, if that was the case, most uh, children would not make it to adulthood to have this severity of injuries. I have been prosecuting for more than 20 plus years and um, I've, I've seen some very graphic things. I've seen some um, very horrific crime scenes and I've even actually gone to a autopsy being performed and nothing really uh, kind of grabs you like seeing a child or a toddler being the victim of a crime, particularly something as horrific as this particular crime. There is no question in uh, my mind, based on the evidence, this child was tortured. This case is fluid. Uh, as such, there are multiple moving parts, but right now uh, we are looking solely at Julia Tomlin as far as the murder charge. We do know someone helped her dispose of the body. 
There's no question about that. The question is the intent uh, and, and whether the person had knowledge that there was a body in the bag. The body was in a state of advanced de uh, decomposition. So um, basically, and, and I hate to be gruesome with the uh, specifics, but imagine a item that has a pamper wrapped around it and one leg and some muscle. That's it. We have bone fragments. So when the medical examiner did her uh, examination, she also brought in an uh, anthropologist. This anthropologist literally pieced together the bone fragments of Noah Tomlin for them to be able to examine uh, whether there were any injuries to the skeletal frame. That's how we were able to establish the, um, the uh, fractures to the skull, the fractures to the jaw, the rib fractures, and because the leg was still, one of the legs was still intact, we were able to see the bruising that was on that leg that was consistent with abuse. Given the nature of the severity of the injury outside of hitting that child with a blunt object or literally taking that child and swinging that child and hitting his head against another blunt object, I don't see how that injury could have been sustained otherwise. Justice looked like Julia Tomlin being held fully accountable for the death of her son. And to me, that's prison. She should never, ever get the opportunity to ever hold another baby or to ever be in a caretaker role with another child of any nature. Was she a danger to children? Absolutely. Was she a risk being in a caretaker role with other children? Absolutely. No question about it. Uh, so do I feel that the ball was dropped? Again, it's not my my place to say, but clearly she should not have been in a position to be caretaker of anyone's child. Uh, in addition, I would like to take the time to thank the Hampton Police Department who did an outstanding job in um, this investigation. We would not be where we are today, but for the countless hours um, and the sacrifice of the officers. In addition, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, they also came in and assisted us with the investigation and with the search and, and even being able to uh, really obtain uh, some uh, very um, incriminating statements from the defendant. So we'd like to thank them as well. What she said, based upon the medical evidence, is absolutely impossible. It was clear to investigators that little Noah had been tortured, and this was a case of homicide. Julia Tomlin's charges would be changed to that of second-degree murder, concealing a dead body and felony child abuse. The writing was on the wall for Tomlin, and she would have known she wasn't going to get away with what she had done to her baby, her two-year-old. Tomlin would confess. June 22, 2019. Tomlin would ask one of her baby daddies, the father of the three-year-old boy, Brad Bailey, to bring her some heroin. She told him she was in a lot of physical pain and she needed the drug to ease that pain so she could get the housework done before a CPS home visit in a couple of days. I strongly believe this physical pain was actually withdrawal, and that's why she needed the drugs to ease the pain. Bailey sold her about $20 to $30 of the drug and spent some time with his son. He would later testify in court that he saw Noah briefly during this visit. Bailey is likely the last person besides Tomlin to see Noah alive. She had called me the night before and about 10 times in that day trying to get me to get her hair hurting, I should say. Like she, was, she wasn't able to clean her house, so she needed me to provide her this so she could clean her house to make it suitable for child enforcement. My focus wasn't on Noah, but he was there in the living room. So she uses, and according to Tomlin, she decided she was going to be a great mother in her drug haze and give Noah a bath. According to Tomlin, she left him unattended in the bath and during this time, Noah hit his head and drowned. Tomlin alleged she tried to give Noah CPR but realised he was gone. And instead of calling 911, like any normal, sane, loving parent would do, she then simply moved Noah to his bed and shut the door of his bedroom. 
that night around 7pm, a friend of Tomlin's, Brian Knoll, stopped by with his daughter to meet Noah. Apparently for a time, Brian thought he may be Noah's father, but we now know this isn't the case. But when Brian and his daughter asked to see Noah, Tomlin told them they couldn't, that Noah was asleep. She wouldn't even allow them to peek in on the sleeping toddler, which we know why. She didn't want them seeing Noah dead. She cared only about herself. Anyway, we can just maybe, me and my daughter can just peep in. We won't wake him, you know, to see Noah. And again, Julie responded that, well, he's asleep. In the early morning hours of June 23, 2019, Tomlin would wrap Noah's deceased body in a blanket and then she would put him in a Huggies diaper box. She triple-bagged the box with black trash bags and called friend Timothy Carter. She asked him to bring over some cleaning supplies under the guise of again preparing for the CPS home visit. And she asked him to take some garbage to dispose of. Now, Tomlin was adamant that this friend was not aware of the box's contents, that he was just being a good friend and helping her out. Tomlin would wait two more days before calling 911 to report her son missing, the day before the scheduled CPS home visit. So we've always been looking how to kind of close in on charges for him because um, one of the things that Ms. Tomlin did is she was very adamant in her statement that he did not know what was in the package. And so that alone gives uh, sufficient reasonable doubt that he could be found guilty of those charges. So what we've always done is we've secretly looked to see if we could corroborate something outside of that statement to prove or disprove what she said. And so uh, that is always going to be ongoing because to many of us, we just got a gut feeling he absolutely knew. And if he absolutely knew, he is going to be held accountable, just like she's going to be held accountable. Do you specifically know what ended Noah's life? Can you recreate that? Well, unfortunately, we cannot recreate specifically how he died as far as whether she struck him with an item or whether she threw him against the wall because there was blood on the wall. There was blood on his sheets. There was blood on his uh, T-shirt that was found. There was blood on the sheet that wrapped him up, uh, that she wrapped him up in, and, and in that package when they found him at the steam plant. So there, were, there was clearly a bloody scene. There was clearly something of uh, either an object or, and I talked to the, the medical examiner and I asked her, could a fist do this? Could a fist cause this type of injury? And she did say it's, possible given the fact that as a two-year-old your skull is still uh getting harder as your younger is is softer and so it is possible that a fist could have done that but it would have still been a very very brutal beating no question about it it would have been a very brutal beating uh as i read in the statement the medical examiner once said to me uh as we were discussing this case um even you know in the beginning she said the injuries were likened to someone falling several stories from a building. So we're talking about extreme abuse here. Well, and a follow-up question to that is, what was Noah's life like for two years? You had an anthropologist scientist come in and say that he was not treated well for two years. So what was his life like from that perspective? Well, we can only imagine based upon the science. Um, because we're, none of us were there. So we can only kind of put the pieces together. What we do know, based on the science, is that there were healed injuries uh, of fractures to his skull. What we do know is that part of his cause of death was child battered syndrome, which showed a um, combination of injuries, a combination of fractures, a combination of abuse. So we do know over the course of that short two-year period of time, this child went through hell. The citizens wanted to see a trial because they wanted to see individuals come in one behind the other to close the gate behind her to show her culpability for what she did.
That is correct. So we are scheduled for a sentencing in March. And at that time, I get the opportunity to put on evidence that uh, show aggravation. And the defense has the opportunity to put on evidence that they may feel is mitigated. I'm sure one of the things they're going to put on is the fact that she took responsibility for what she did by pleading guilty. And I think that was probably one of the reasons why she pled guilty to take responsibility. However, I believe the aggravating factors are going to far outweigh any mitigating uh, circumstances that could have potentially existed. Uh, we, we plan to put on evidence concerning the medical examiner. I plan to put on evidence of prior uh, charges that she was convicted of in Newport News some 10 years ago or 12 years ago now. And so we, we plan to, it's going to be a full sentencing hearing. It's not going to be some short and sweet. It will be a full sentencing hearing. I have another quick question for you. Um, I mean, we're talking about the prior charges and everything. I feel like the bigger story here is almost a system that failed this child. I mean, Child Protective Services was called. You know, he was still, you know, in her care, and he could still be alive today, potentially, if someone had done something sooner. No question. The system failed the child. No question whatsoever. Um, and in fact, I, I had a discussion over email with a citizen who was just irate about just what took place to this child and about the system. And what I had to remind her is I am tasked and responsible for prosecuting individuals who break the law, but I'm not unfortunately tasked with custody hearings. That is not my, my bandwidth. And so unfortunately I can't speak to it because I don't know what happened. I can only say that she should never have had possession of that child. Somebody dropped the ball. So the, the, the story of the bathtub was totally false. There's no, you don't believe he was taking a bath. He would have said nothing about that. Was true. I absolutely do not believe she, uh, that he died in the bathtub. I absolutely believe that he died brutally. Uh, as I stated in the summary of the facts, there were that was blood splatter on the wall. So somehow his blood got on the wall of that residence. There was blood on the sheets, on two sets of sheets. Somehow it was a bloody scene and she was able to clean up the bloody scene, but was not able to clean it up well enough for her not to be caught with some of the evidence that corroborated the fact that he absolutely did not drown in a bathtub. Initially, Tomlin's defence argued she wasn't competent to stand trial, that she had suffered from years of mental and physical abuse by her parents and a boyfriend she had when she was a teenager. But ultimately, she was deemed competent and she entered a plea of guilty. Something I find infuriating, even after Tomlin pled guilty, even after she admitted, I guess, a version of what may or may not have happened to Noah, even after Noah's blood was found in a bedroom wall of Tomlin's trailer, and a bedsheet and a size 5 red polo shirt with Noah's blood stained on them was found in the trash, even after all of that, Tomlin's family still tried to defend her. The reason why she, the last time she saw him was at 1.30 in the morning is because she started holding him at night so that he would stop because the doctor said they couldn't do anything until he was old enough to be tested for it. She didn't know what to do. And I, I know Tim Cartwell. He was every bit of full of the capacity for evil that you could imagine. So you're blaming him instead of your... No, sister. I'm saying that it was an accident. So even despite all the blood and evidence that was found inside the home... I, I, believe, I believe that what happened was she passed out from the heroin after putting him to bed and that she didn't wake up in time and he tried to call out of the crib and fell onto the toy chest that was next to the crib. And what happened was Sammy came in, and that's how it got on his shirt. That's how it got on the side of her, on her wall. Okay. Thank you, well, Teresa. Not that we're argumentative, but she pleaded guilty. Yeah, we get go back to that. She pleaded guilty. So I'm not trying to argue. I don't know what Tim has on her. I don't know. But who has on her? But Tim has on her. Tim mm -hmm. Carter. Tim was like her, like in love with her as in a lord and master type. But he, he took care of her when she needed him. But excuse me, but you're doing the grocery shopping with her? How the frick does she have 20 pounds of rotted meat in her freezer with two toddlers and an infant? Be damned. Yeah, but she pleaded guilty, so how... Well, excuse me, but I don't care. Maybe some people are just afraid. She's so terrified because the whole nation is after her. I had to change my name for three months. 
I know the truth, and they wouldn't let me give it. They wouldn't let me tell them what happened. The police wouldn't listen. The president, private investigator wouldn't listen. None of her attorneys would listen. Every time I talked to one of her attorneys, they changed her freaking attorney. Every time, within a week of me talking to them, they changed her attorney. Tyrone Jackson wouldn't even freaking talk to me until I called you guys. They talked to me for less than two minutes. Still wouldn't listen to what I had to say. It's unconstitutional. Not to mention that because of them not wanting me to testify, it wasn't a speedy freaking trial, was it? Sure as hell wasn't fair. Honestly, that whole family can rot in hell as far as I'm concerned. At sentencing, Tomlin's eldest child, now a 19-year-old woman, she asked the judge to enforce the maximum sentence on her mother. Quote, My mother has never been fit to be a parent. She's only cared about herself and has never prioritised the needs of any of her children, even when she claimed to be doing so. All of her children have been removed from her care and should never have been returned to her care. Unquote. She would go on to talk lovingly about the brother she really never got the chance to bond with. She said that Noah, quote, received the worst from her. In the two short years he lived, he witnessed pure hate and cruelty from the woman who was supposed to love and protect him. Unquote. Now, under Virginia law, the maximum sentence for second-degree murder is 40 years. The maximum for concealing a dead body is five years. And the maximum sentence for felony child neglect is 10 years. Chief Hampton Circuit Court Judge Michael Gatton ordered Tomlin to serve the harshest sentence he could possibly pass down. Noah's story and what he went through affected him greatly. Julia Tomlin would be sentenced to 55 years in prison for the abuse and murder of two-year-old Noah Tomlin. As in many stories we cover here on Stolen Lives, Noah's death was not in vain. His big brother and baby sister are now safe and in foster care, far away from their monster of a mother. I just wish it didn't take Noah to die to save them. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice. And subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.